What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And my name is Ben Bolin. I hang with you. You're Scott. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ben. Yes. We've got, uh, we got more good info for everybody here. We've got... Uh, Remember our last episode where we had some leftover material from Nuts and Bolts? Part four, a cliffhanger ending. That's right. Yeah. Well, we've, uh, we're going to pick it back up again here because we've got, uh, got plenty of material here to talk about. Uh, so let's get started. Okay. So uh, Kelly writes in to say, hey, guys, love the podcast. I just listened to the promotional vehicles episode about Ben wanting a car that looks like a cheesesteak. Uh, it made me think of a vehicle near me <laughs> for the Westport flea market. Uh <laughs> Near Kansas City, it looks like a cheeseburger. By the way, they have awesome cheeseburgers. Uh, Kelly, thanks for writing in. And also, Kelly put a link to the uh, photo oh. of this thing. Uh, I just got to say, I remember recording that episode, and I did. I had the cheesesteak fever upon me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, it had to be satisfied. Understood. I, I think I actually went directly from here to a cheesesteak place. That's not a bit, you know, I, I, since then, I've probably had four or five myself. Wow, man. I know. I love them. I try how them everywhere I, because you never know how good they're going to be. How I envy your life. I can maybe squeeze <laughs> in one, you know? No, when we eat out, I, I tip, that's what I'll go for. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll look for in the uh, sandwich column. But all right. You ready to move on here? Let's go. All right. Uh, here's one thing that I forgot in one of the podcasts. We, we do this often. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the, um, tornado. Ah, yes. Oldsmobile tornado. Uh-huh. Remember that? The, uh, the front wheel drive uh-huh. engine. All right. Guess who has a Tornado that has 1,070 horsepower? 1,070? 1,070 horsepower. Oh, it's no fair for me to guess, my friend, because you told me. Jay Leno. Jay Jay Leno Leno has a 1,070 horsepower Tornado. Now, it's not a front-wheel drive, of course, Mm -hmm. because that would have been ridiculously expensive. Right. So how how did he do it? That's the question. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got this he's got this crazy uh, GM prototype engine. Mm-hmm. You know that of course he's got a lot of friends at GM, and you know they uh, they supply him with whatever he needs, I guess, for his shop here. But it's a restored. You know, it, it basically looks like a stock uh, Tornado, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, one thousand seventy horsepower in a Tornado. 
Like, I mean, it uses a, I mean, the C6, it uses C16 fuel to get that, right? Okay. Now, <laughs> right. 93 octane is, is, uh, you know, premium, I guess, mm-hmm. on the, on the West yeah. Coast. Um, C16 is a specialty racing fuel that you can, you, you can purchase. Uh, you do have to buy it, you know, you have to buy it through the mail or you have to go, you know, find a supplier, local For supplier. like a racing part distributor Ex- Exactly. Or yeah. And it's typically used in turbocharged engines, blown engines, nitrous oxide, um, applications. Um, anything that has like up to a 17 to one ratio. Okay. okay. Uh, and, uh, it's recommended by all the nitrous oxide, uh, companies, you know, the ones that, that, uh-huh. that provide the systems. And it's also the spec fuel for NHRA comp eliminator series. So. Oh, and when we say ratio, we're talking about compression ratio. Compression ratio. Fuel. That's right. 17 to one. So that's extremely high because mm-hmm. a lot of the, um, the compression ratio of this engine that he's got is 8.3 to one. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about even like a, a top end performance car, like, uh, let's say a Viper, yeah. something like that, you're talking about like 10 to one. Um, so the 17 to one is way up there. That's full out race engine. But, um, if you pay for the extra fuel or pay for the fuel and, um, you know, the, the pump it, not from a, a, a gas pump, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, add the fuel. Uh, yeah, this thing will put out a hundred, a thousand and seventy horsepower. It's just mind blowing. A thousand pound feet of torque. What do you, well, what, what could you possibly, where, how could you possibly, uh, you know what? Redline that, you know, like how I, could you get that up to that? <laughs> I, I just don't even know. I don't know what that is, is like. I mean, it's gotta be incredible. I'd love to hear it run. Yeah. I would really like to hear it run. I'd love to hear him talk about it. But, even. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a, uh, quite a setup. I mean, if you look at the specs on this thing, mm-hmm. a lot of them are, are prototype racing. Um, engine parts that come from GM. So um, that's how he got such a, a, I guess, a potent collection of parts really to put together this thing. Because he's got people on the inside. Yeah, a lot of Corvette parts in this thing. I call it conspiracy. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Hey, what, what else do you have? Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, stumbled across something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, two things. One thing was, you ever heard of the Oklahoma full auto shoot? Oklahoma full auto shoot. Yeah. No, what's going on there? <laughs> I found a video of the Oklahoma full auto shoot, and uh, this is really weird. This is using military grade weaponry. Rep- weaponry. <laughs> I taught I. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, to destroy cars in distant fields. So it's exactly what it sounds it's exactly like. Exactly what it sounds like. Because it's also fine, full. You're firing military <laughs> grade weaponry at cars in fields and you're trying to make explosions happen because they have you know fuel tanks set mm-hmm. up here and there they have uh, you're just you're just pummeling these things and some of them are set in motion uh before you know people are allowed to fire at them um you know they're they're using mortar rounds they're using all kinds what? of stuff again yeah yeah mortar I'm rounds kidding. i'm not kidding you can watch video you can watch video of this thing it's again oklahoma full auto shoot mm-hmm. and uh families attend this event even kids are shooting these machine guns. I mean, I saw a seven-year-old shooting um, an automatic machine gun at are you cars. Serious? At cars, yeah. I don't know if I. You know I mean, what? it's really cool. There are explosions. There's this yeah. hillside. This whole setup. It's like a. I mean, it looks like an apocalyptic scene. You know, it's really interesting. But you know, these people are under tents and they've got just piles of ammunition next to them. Unlimited yeah. weapons. It looks like. Is it BYOW? <laughs> you know what? I don't know that. I'm not sure. I. I I don't have much more detail than that, but it's really interesting to watch. I'm sure you can dig up a lot more. If we I want. wonder if we could go. Yeah, we should. I don't know. And I think this one was held, uh, I think this was a few years ago. 
So I don't know if they're still doing it or yeah, not. But, but um, hey, listeners in Oklahoma, get back to us if you know about this. Yeah, very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Take a look for it. It's, uh, it's something to see. To say the least. Who, yeah, who right. hasn't thought about doing that? One other thing that I stumbled across I thought yes, was kind of cool. And I've got a couple other things here, but that's it. Um, I found something. Have you, have you ever heard of a program called I've Got a Secret? What? No. Uh, yeah, it's it's from a long time ago. This is from uh, like the oh, early the game 19- show. Yeah, the game show. Yes, I have. Nineteen sixties. Yeah. Um, this is this particular one was from June first, nineteen sixty one. Okay. Okay. And it was just a YouTube video they found. It's called "I've Got a Secret." Um, y- y- there's this is what it is. There's a host, mm. a panel, and then a guest or two. Right. And this in this case there were two. And the panel tries to guess the secret. Yeah, the secret, whatever it is, but, you know, through a variety of questions mm-hmm. and try to determine what it is. They come to consensus. They discuss what's going on and, sure. and try to figure out the secret, right? And, uh, you know, the, 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 the guest is very, uh, very straightforward with them. We'll tell mm-hmm. them whatever they want, but, um, offers up no additional information. Right. Okay. Like, is your, uh, is your secret something you did or is your secret? Well, are you Somewhere. an, are you a sports figure? Sure. That yeah. type of thing. That would be one question. And then, okay, it's, and then on and on. And you can ask several and, you know, over the course of the show, they figure out this person's secret you... or not. They take, they take a guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching this episode and here's who it was. It was, and I'll just tell you who it was. It was, uh, it was AJ Foyt who had just that year won the Indianapolis 500 mm-hmm. and Another guest who was Ray Haroon, who was the first Indianapolis 500 winner in 1911. Okay, so 50 years apart, two winners of the Indianapolis 500, right? Yes. And uh, they did eventually guess who who these guys were. Uh, now, now, since it was June 1st, 1961, obviously AJ was just days off of winning the, the Indy 500. Yeah. And the other guy, the old timer there, was the uh, the first winner. And you remember that car that he drove, that Marmon Wasp, right? Wow. Okay, so that car is still on, on display if you mm-hmm. want to look at it. They were talking about the cost of the car and AJ's car. Now, now you know that current race cars are millions of dollars. Sure. I mean, millions yeah. and millions of dollars. And, and not to talk, mention everything else surrounding them, you know, just right. the transportation. All the support the staff, the, transportation, yeah, the, maintenance. The, the system and everything. Just the car okay. itself is millions. AJ's Foyt, AJ Foyt's car in 1961, the cost of his Indy 500 car was about $30,000. $30,000. 1961. 1961. Okay. Which pretty remarkable. I mean, that, yeah. I, I thought that was low. I thought it, it was going to be a lot low. higher than even that. Even adjusting for inflation, that's I thought, low. Even in 1961, I thought this car was going to be a two hundred thousand dollar car. Sure, more, yeah. Maybe. Just, just my own feeling. Um, in 1911, they asked Ray about what his car was worth, and he said in 1911, he had put about two thousand dollars total into his car. That's it. That's the purchase price of the car, mm-hmm. making it a race vehicle, really. Yeah, all and, the kit, and winning the Indianapolis out. 500, the first 500 mile race at Indianapolis. Two thousand dollars. Two thousand huh? dollars, and now we're now we're to the point where these are million dollar vehicles, mm-hmm. million dollar plus vehicles, really. So yeah, it kind of blew my mind. It was an interesting episode. Yeah, I thought it was worth seeing. What I that's that's an, I wonder when the uh, when it hit the J curve because it sounds like somewhere in there. Yeah. There's there's a humongous yeah it's spiked yeah it's spiked and it's, spike. uh, it's way at the top now so what 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 else you got for me oh boy man I've got a Am ton I, of I, no I've got a ton of these emails but yeah um, let's see here's another one about break in uh, from uh, oh shines and pines from oh. the internet that's it all right um, talking about uh, this is about the Moto Man uh, thing mm-hmm. it's it's actually Moto Tune USA is the one that he mentions break in secrets. Uh, so there's that mention. 
which is basically the opposite. Right. Um, this is the um, – is this the guy who – let's see. Basically, you push the engine much harder within the first 20 miles. Yeah, that's the one. And try varying the RPMs, nearly redlining oh, it. Oh, wait. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, but it's uh, it's the opposite of the, uh, the manufacturer's yeah. recommendations, really. And he um, asked a great question. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's the, it. the question is, uh, who can really drive under 55 miles per hour for 500 miles? That's tell you what, not me. That's what we asked during that episode. That's Remember, true. We do, we, you can't do it. It's mm-hmm. too difficult. It's, it's unattainable. I, I feel like it is very difficult. <laughs> All right. I'm going to run through these quick. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah. Let's, cause sorry, I've got sorry, a, sorry. I got a bunch of these. Let's just yeah. go through and then one last little update and then we're done. All right. Um, oh, here's one. Dear Brian and Scott. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was like, wait, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This guy's from uh, Mumbai, India. Uh, Sachin? 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 Uh, enjoy listening to the podcast. It's become a bit of a routine after work. Uh, loves cars. Wonder if we could do a podcast dealing with the materials cars are made of these days, which is a good one because you know, he that wants to know how much, uh, how much and, you know, what type of material they're mm-hmm. made of because it's a lot of confusing materials at this point. A lot of composites. So that's a good one. Good, good suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I'm right uh, here's one named Kosi from New Zealand, but uh, lives in the South Pacific Tonga. No way. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Uh, just writes in to say that his belief ter- uh, turbos are better, uh, mostly because there's nothing like feeling feeling like getting kicked in the gut by a turbocharged engine, especially when it's a twin turbo two stage. Wow. Twin turbo two stage in Tonga. Wow. Uh, because it gives you fast boost and uh, – um, Oh, oh, you know what? It says the island he lives on does not have any good cars. <laughs> in fact, not much of a car scene there in Tonga, I guess, but, um, says that the, our podcast give him his car fix. So there oh, you go. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So Kosi from, uh, the kingdom of Tonga. Hmm. Nice. I don't right, know if Kosi. we've ever heard of a listener from Tonga. Oh, here's my note about the, uh, BMW Vision. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, someone who had seen the, this is Joshua who mentioned that he went to the Peterson Automotive Museum and saw the V8 car that we talked about, the product, uh, vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that looks like a can. Yeah, yeah. And a V8 juice, <laughs> which is, uh, kind of neat. So, yeah, not V8, of, the engine. Yep. And mentioned V8, the, the uh, Oscar Meyer Wiener mobile too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Ariadne. Remember we've tried this name before? Oh, yes, yes, okay, we have. <laughs> says, good afternoon, fellas. Oh, this is a good one. Took an aeroboat ride in the Everglades on Monday. The tour guide pointed out some Spanish moss growing from some trees down there and said that Henry Ford had sent some folks to Everglades to harvest Spanish moss as seat stuffing for the first Model Ts. Uh, soon after, after the Model Ts were launched, people were complaining of itches. It turns out that Spanish moss houses tiny mites, yeah. which will burrow underneath the person's skin and lay eggs within a few hours. It prompted a recall, and after that, the seats were stuffed with cotton. Ugh. What a cool story. Thank you. Gross. Yes, but that's really cool. That is uh, disgusting and uh, informative. Thank you. Because Henry Ford is otherwise so reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is such an ordinary human being. I sure. can't believe something like that would happen. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Joseph uh, writes in and says that, um, oh, wants to hear about huge mining dump trucks. You know, the oh, gigantic yeah, yeah, yeah. ones, house size. The ones, ones that are like the size of a building. building. Size. That's a very good one. That is. Um, okay, Propeller Cars. Uh, Rob in London says, I uh, thought it was an interesting podcast, but we overlooked all-terrain oh, vehicles yeah. powered by pro- Propeller, the Hovercraft. Hovercraft. Yeah. Right. I think we've talked about Hovercraft. We have. We we. I think we may have it in a different episode. Audi Shark. The Audi, Audi Shark, Shark yeah. episode. If you look back to the Audi Shark mm-hmm. episode, um, Rob, I think you'll find some information about Hovercraft, but 
Um, maybe a full episode on that wouldn't be a bad idea. And we have some we have some other weird stuff that's mm-hmm. come out about that. All right, here's David from Port Washington, Wisconsin. Uh, considering consider doing a show on the Chrysler Airflow is a revolutionary step in car design, full of fun facts. Um, that's right. This is the first yeah. aerodynamic design or design meant to be aerodynamic. So the Chrysler Airflow is a cool car. Nice one. Um, Get through these, aren't I? Yeah, you're Garrett. Um, Garrett says that uh, mentions he, he. This is about the fire engine episode. Okay, uh, started listening to the podcast recently. One of you mentioned the pike pole looked like a medieval weapon. Mm. That's probably you. That was probably me. Uh, might be interested to know the first pike poles were pikes, which were weapons <laughs> used by settlers in the Jamestown colony to pull down the roofs of burning buildings in order to reduce the spread of the fire. And one correction. Uh, the uh, commonly the pump controls are found on the driver or operator side of the cab. Ah, very good. So thanks. Thanks for the information. Um, Nathan from Toronto, Ontario says, uh, can you do a podcast about the black beast, which is, um, green Hornets car, black beast, black uh, beauty, black beauty, black beauty. It should be black beauty. That's right. I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure black beauty. Well, maybe uh, we'll but anyways, the difference something. between the movie car and the classic TV car show, if there are any, Cool. Uh, here's one from Ryan. Uh-huh. Um, wants to know about air-cooled engines, air-cooled VWs in particular, because he has a 66 VW Bug himself as a project car. He's 17, doesn't really know a lot about cars, but mm-hmm. uh, reads a lot about them and his own experiences. So we'll talk about air-cooled engines. That's a good one. Um, uh, you already read this one, Italy. Mm-hmm. Going through a couple here. Yeah. Um, oh, here you go. Well, Scott and Ben, I'd be honored if you'd discuss this on your podcast, which I'm listening to. I'm in Australia. I have an imported 1975 Cadillac Fleetwood 75, which what? is a factory limousine with the largest ever engine or engine ever put in a factory car, the 500 cubic inch 8.2 liter V8. Um, now, driving on the highway, I've noticed this car was significantly underpowered and had trouble maintaining 120 kilometers per hour despite using 160 liters over f- fuel Whoa. <laughs> over 600 kilometers highway highway run. Okay, well, I haven't just you know gone through and figured out what that is, yeah. but I'm guessing that's terrible. Yeah, it um, is pretty bad. Uh, so he wonders why why the horsepower drop because mm-hmm. from 1970 to 76, uh, horsepower decreased from 400 horsepower in 1970 to 190 in 1976 despite the same size block. Um, it's, uh, suffers low power. Yeah. Uh, the problem is pollution control equipment. That's exactly right. It's all pollution control equipment and mm-hmm. detuning. Uh, it was, you know, when you talk about performance versus fuel economy, yeah. um, that's exactly what, uh, what happened there. Uh, they just dropped it down for fuel economy and, and they, you know, the, uh, the catalytic converters came in at that point. Right. And, uh, just totally choked the engine out. So there's a lot of things you can do to, to tune that back up to 400 horsepower if you want to. Um, that was from Derek in Sydney, Australia, by the way. Yeah. Okay. You do have to keep the catalytic converter on, though, Derek. Ah, I'm taking a breath here, but the, the, we got one last one, okay? Let's, um, yeah, let's do it. And I'm going to simplify this one. I had the whole thing practically outlined, but um, this is from is it Helmut? H-E-L-L-M-U-T-H? Go for it. Helmut. Helmut. Okay, Helmut. All right. Um, regional education manager for Latin America and the Caribbean in the sales and marketing area for a large... Oh, I remember this email. All right. Um, For my English-speaking countries, I consider you guys a must-listen since you have a knack about explaining automotive features without dumbing it down or making it fly over everybody's head. Ah, shucks. He's talking to you. Isn't that good? That's all right. So he mentions, uh, you know what, mentions superchargers, turbochargers, Mm -hmm. uh, the breaking in thing. Um, Also talks about the storage podcast and tire pressures. And one of the things he mentioned was that um, when when vehicles are making the cross- 
uh, ocean journey really yeah. to, to a new country, they often come with very high PSI levels and tires around 50 PSI, and that's to keep from uh, flat, flat spots from coming or becoming lopsided. Right. Uh, so okay. those are always adjusted after they, they exit the boat. Yeah, that, that is a, kind of interesting. That is a really interesting email. Too. And uh, the other thing about breaking in engines is that uh, part of it has to do with the the materials. That, you know, they said the tolerances. We we mm-hmm. mentioned tolerances, right? Uh, part of it is that the blocks are made of aluminum, which basically can't be overhauled, at least from a cost point of view. And the shavings, which these engines are are, are much smaller, and they aren't found in the engines once it's assembled. So, um, good call. Yeah. Homie. I mean, and he mentions, yeah. you know, the, 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 uh, the dry turn and the, uh, and the wet turn as well and mm-hmm. how they're all run through a certain system. And he also wanted to mention that we may want to look into the Toyota Land Cruiser because you won't be disappointed with looking into its history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know the Ford history. Few of us know the impressive stories behind, um, huge yeah. companies like Toyota, GM, VW, and Chrysler. Mm-hmm. So he says, thanks for entertaining me on my commutes and flights. Keep up the great work. So that was from uh, Helmut from, well, all over the place. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah, uh, you got one more thing, or do you want me to sum up? Before what are we, we in an hour now? Have we done an hour here? Oh, well, good. but you know what though? You know what? we've we've answered a lot, or we've at least read a lot of listener mail. And, I guess uh, we have. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Last thing. Project car update. Yes, please. You want to talk about it? I'll make it quick. No, no, I want. Yeah, do you the know, project okay, this car. Is, this is my my project car. Right. As, right yeah. Oh, yeah. So as everybody knows, uh, our our favorite auto editor has uh, gone in and has a project car. You can uh, find out a little bit about the backstory, but what we're going to do to end this episode is to have the update. So tell me. Just a slight update. Really, really sh- okay. short because uh, I'll tell you, wintertime is not a whole lot going on right now. Um, it's been a bad winter here. Yeah, we actually have snow. Yeah, a lot of snow. A lot of yeah. snow and ice. So, um, time working on the car has been pretty scarce. Uh, a lot of things going on. So, uh, basically the heater core is in. Um, this is on, a, it's a 1967 Chrysler Newport. Yeah. If anybody has the, uh, need to know. <laughs> um, the heater core is in. It's, it's, the leak stopped. It runs well, but I have a feeling that none of the HVAC system is going to work, Ben. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's sad to say after I've, I've done all this work, I haven't got the dash all the way back in, but there's some complicated linkages there. And when mm-hmm. I went into this thing, I'm thinking it's only going to be a couple of days before I'm putting it back together. Sure. Big mistake. I should have, <laughs> I should have, I should have, um, taken lots of photographs of this thing mm-hmm. when I took it apart. Um, and that was major, major mistake because now I can't figure out how some of these linkages go back together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just kind of resigned to the fact that the heater portion of my HVAC system isn't going to work. I think the vents will still work mm-hmm. and the cool air and you know everything else should should work fine. The heating system, I'm not exactly sure about um, as far as the, mech- the, the, the valves opening and closing at the right time. Um, so I may have heat all the time or I may have heat none of the time. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's going slow. It's yeah. going, it's going pretty slow, but it, it does, it does run really well right now. Um, you know, it needs carb adjustments and, you know, sure. the usual stuff, but, um, it hasn't been driven in a while. It's been months actually at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, you know, when I, when I did this whole thing, I should have, I should have treated it almost like a crime scene, you know, shot my right. way into like completely just shot my way into the system mm-hmm. and then not have to worry about it coming back out, but, uh, would have had a, a way to trace back what I had done. So that was a, a major mistake on my part. Well, it's all part of a learning process. As long yeah. as you're learning something, I am learning. It's not a huge mistake. Painful lesson. Painful is the yeah. price of an education. Well, we'll see how it goes. It may it may work just fine. We'll find yeah. out. And uh, while we're talking about things that may work, let's recap real quick. We're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, we've got some 
great offers for upcoming podcasts. Write to us and tell you what, tell us what you think. Uh, should we do a podcast on modified tuning scene, uh, on locomotives, on colliders, the materials used in cars, building size dump trucks, the airflow or the land cruiser, the green hornet's car? Uh, should we, uh, talk about some air cooled vehicles? Or should we talk about something else? You can let us know through the various internet stuff. If you're savvy that way with Facebook and Twitter, you can also hit us up directly at our email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.